Welcome to Mill City Church. We're so glad to have you here. How is everyone this morning? Very good. Uh, we, we, were invite, we had invited Pastor Daryl Gillespie to come speak, as many of you know, from Proverbs Christian Fellowship, but he, uh, he got sick at the last minute. Uh, since Pastor Gillespie can't speak this morning, we have invited some of our friends from Proverbs Christian Fellowship to come up and do a bit of a panel discussion this morning instead. Um, and so to, to introduce that panel, I want to just give you a little bit of backstory, especially if you're new to Mill City and you have no idea what's going on right now. Uh, we're in a conversation for the last few weeks on gospel and race. And as an increasingly diverse church, we're recognizing that we need to do a better job of having open conversations about both race and ethnicity and how the gospel compels us to cross racial and ethnic lines in order to fully understand who God is and what the good news is. And so last two weeks ago, we talked about the, the need to pray for walls to come down in these areas. Uh, and last week, we talked uh, about eating and eating together as a normal course of being able to cross boundaries and see what God's up to in the lives of people who are different from us. And today, we're going to focus on listening and ask some of our friends questions about how listening can help us to build relationships across racial and ethnic boundaries. Um, I met Pastor Daryl Gillespie when a group of about 30 people were starting Mill City, and we decided to take a class across the river called City Matters. And City Matters was a course that was uh, offered by a number of couple groups in Sanctuary Covenant Church in partnership with some other ministries over there. And the hope was to educate people about what it was like to do ministry in the city and to understand the history of the city and uh, a, few no a number of other things. And when Pastor Gillespie was teaching one of the sessions, after the session, uh, he just marched right up to me. We didn't know each other at all. And he said, I don't know why, but I think we're supposed to be friends. And I said, oh, okay, you know. And so he started asking me questions, and I started uh, asking him questions, and we got to know each other. And then over the last few years, we've just kind of been in the habit of meeting at a little restaurant place in North Minneapolis called Milda's on Glenwood. If you haven't been there, you should try it out. Uh, to just share life together and to hear what was happening in each other's ministries and to learn from each other. Um, and he's been a very patient teacher to me about a lot of things. Um, and I think he would say that we've learned some things together. We served in an after-school program here in Northeast Minneapolis, the middle school, Northeast Middle School. And Pastor Gillespie had been asked to lead a group of African-American young men, junior hires, uh, through the principles of Kwanzaa in a class, in an after-school class. So he was teaching some different principles, and he invited me to come, come with him. And um, the young men were very respectful, but at the same time they could tell, like, I didn't really understand where they were coming from. They would list off music songs they were listening to. I had no idea what they were talking about. They kind of made fun of me a little bit, which I would have made fun of me too. And, uh, and then one day Daryl just said, like, I think we should take him up to the gym and play some hoops he knew that I, was, I had played basketball and he played basketball. So we went up there and just totally embarrassed these seventh graders. You know, it was like Daryl and I and like eight of them and we were just like no holds barred. We just scored at will and we blocked all their shots and we were just ruthless in a way, right? And it was amazing to see how the kids' respect for us as teachers came and we knew we can dominate you on the basketball court. We are, we're old. We realize we're old. But you're not good at basketball, so there's some evenness there. And it was just really, it was really a blast to work with him and learn from him 
and be able to work with some students in the early years of Mill City. So I'm sad that he can't be here, but I'm confident we'll have him again when he's, once he's feeling better. Um, my relationship with him was part of my own recognition as a leader and as a Christian. Like I, I can not only associate with people who are just like me. Um, Daryl came to me and said, <laughs> let's be friends. So it wasn't like I had anything to do with it in that way. But it's been such a blessing to have that friendship. And I'm hopeful that all of us can continue to pursue those kinds of relationships in our lives as we continue to have this conversation about gospel and race. So let me invite my, our friends up. If you guys don't mind, come on up. We have some chairs for you here, and I'll have you um, introduce yourselves. Would you please welcome our friends from Proverbs Christian Fellowship? Nathaniel Orr. Good morning, I'm Rosalind Sullivan. My name is Doris Allison. Hi everybody, praise God, I'm Judy Austin. And I am Ted Austin. Um, I know some of these folks a little bit, and I know that they've been doing ministry uh, for a long time, and having conversations about reconciliation for a long time, and we have a lot to learn from them. And so, uh, in place of a sermon this morning, we're just going to invite them to answer a couple questions about their church, about what they've learned about listening, and, and then give you the chance, as, as we have time, to ask some questions yourself. So if you can think of a really good question while you're sitting there, Stephanie will be coming around in a few minutes to take as many questions as we have time for this morning. Does that sound okay to everybody? All right. We've been practicing being responsive, because we're not that responsive of a congregation. Sometimes I have to look at people and say, you'll have to make a noise so that I know that you're hearing what I'm saying. <laughs> and a lot of people are sitting up here in the front. This is very unusual. No one ever sits in the first 10 rows here. So these people are all sitting there because we're, we're trying to learn to be responsive. So as much as you can call that out of them, the pastor here will be appreciative. Okay? Huh? Your neck's getting sore. So you're suffering. I hear you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so why don't a couple of you just tell us a little bit about the ministry of Proverbs Christian Fellowship and, uh, and what you all are trying to accomplish over there. Would you start with that, Nathaniel? Well, I'm probably the, I don't know, who's the, who's the, who's the, um... <laughs> there you go. Pastor Allison is the right person, the apparently. Well, well, see, there, there's, there's uh, years and then there's years. And so I'm probably not as senior as somebody else who's on this, in this row. I'm talking about years in terms of experience at Proverbs. Let me get out of trouble right now. <laughs> Good morning. I uh, started with uh, Pastor Gillespie. Uh, from the conception of Proverbs Ministry, and we started in his home. We first started with a Bible study group, and uh, a lot of the people that were there at the Bible study, we had been previously in a ministry that had dissipated, and uh, people needed to heal and, and really gather themselves back to be able to start back to do ministry. And as you know, you cannot do ministry if you're not healed. Hmm. If you're sick, you can make someone else sick. Amen? Yeah. All right. Look at See? that. Look at that. Ah! Yay. 
Can you yes. come back next Sunday? <laughs> and so, uh, as I stated, we started a Bible study, and we began to heal and, and be able to reconcile with the previous church that we were at. Things did not, uh, were not well when we left the church. And at that time, we, we were in a Bible study in Pastor Gillespie's living room and dining room for about a year. And as we studied the Word of God and become, became more strong in our faith, and we just came together as a little bitty body, a little bitty body, but we had all of our members. We had every part that we needed in order to uh, begin a church. And uh, Pastor Gillespie, he had been seeking God as well as he had everyone in the Bible study praying. And as we uh, prayed and, and was just seeking God to find out what was our next move, we knew that we should be in ministry. We just wasn't positive of the next move. As God began to speak to some of us, uh, and he said, open a church. And so Pastor Gillespie, at first he was a little hesitant, you know, because that's a scary place to be, a scary place to be. And so he did uh, wait for a period of time, and, you know, God began to reveal things to him, what to name the church, and, you know, just a lot of different things that come with ministry. And as God revealed to him, we did... Uh, come together and started Proverbs Christian Fellowship. In his living room, we went from his living room, the body of Christ grew in his living room. No one could sit anymore. There were people that had to stand on his front porch. And as it got full there, we went to a community center. And uh, we stayed at the community center, I want to say maybe a year, year and a half. And uh, in the little area that they allowed us to have, uh, we grew from there. We grew out of it, which was a good thing. And uh, as we grew out of there, uh, we began to search for a building. And so uh, I know you, you've been to Proverbs at 1515. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we found a little storefront building. And... I mean, everyone was so excited, and we were just elated about what God was doing in the body. And we were there for, I would want to say maybe three, four years, maybe four, maybe a little more. But we were there, and all of a sudden, we grew out of there. So as you can see, God is really doing some great things in Proverbs far as people coming in to the body of Christ. And so now uh, we rent in the afternoon. We have afternoon services. We rent from another church, so we share spaces. And uh, we're there. We're praying, and we hopefully will have your prayers. Uh, we're seeking and searching for um, our own building, a building big enough to hold uh, the congregation mm -hmm. right now. And uh, I guess that's the story of Proverbs Christian Fellowship, how we started. Thank you.
We've been talking about the different simple practices that we all can be taking um, to continue to expand our ability to step across both racial and ethnic lines and live out and understand the gospel. Uh, and Nathaniel and I were just chatting right before we all came up here to say, um, this is a huge conversation. It can be very overwhelming. Um, but as Nathaniel was just saying, and we've been talking about, taking small steps is really the best place to start if you don't know where to start. So these, these things like praying for God's reconciliation, especially in the church, uh, as a starting place. I mean, what if the church could model the best kind of conversation about gospel and race for the rest of the country? That would be amazing. Um, learning to eat together, learning to listen to one another. Next week we'll talk a little bit about worshiping with people. Um, but maybe you all could speak to what you've seen in terms of the practice of listening, which is our focus for this morning. How have you seen listening uh, help your own congregation or in your own ministries or in your own lives bridge some of the divide that, that, gospel, or that race and ethnicity can create? So, um, getting started in ministry, I can think of uh, a number of, of instances where listening presented itself as easily as sometimes just um, getting on the phone with an individual. And this one individual I'm thinking of is, was the one that I co-pastored with. And we had a lot of conversations about how the church was going to take shape, what kinds of things we thought um, were necessary for, for ministering to the, to the people groups that were part of the congregation and um, things like that. And so, be, and so before we really got, got down deep into that conversation, we talked about maybe some, some general things that we could do, maybe having a, having a meal together. So we started having potluck um, dinners um, to get started and to, and to create fellowship. And then uh, one of the other things we did was um, sit down maybe um, around a cup of coffee and just discuss some things that um, maybe I thought about him and what he thought about me mm. and, and just give each other permission to ask questions. Mm. So I, I think those are some basic things that I would throw out just for you to um, think about as, as we talk about this subject because I think sometimes this feels like, well, we got to have this um, deep theological approach. And I think what God wants us to do is get in each other's um, circle and find out who we are and what we're about, what we're afraid of maybe, some of the things that we, that we value, and uh, go from there. Hello. I think I'm the newbie um, when it comes to ministry, which I think is important. Um, when we think about, when I think about listening, I think about listening with my eyes closed. I think about um, listening um, for Christ, listening to God's direction when I'm engaging with other people, when I'm in uncomfortable circumstances or circles of people who don't look or act like me, because face it, we can face it, the more you look like me, the more you talk like me, the more you act like me, the more we have in common, the more comfortable I am going to be with you. And we have to accept and not be afraid of that. 
It's a lot easier to talk to you if we went to the same high school and we have grew up on the same block. We have things in common. But it's when the differences come in, uh, the block comes in. But if we think about Christ and the fact that we are all the same, right? We are all the same. We, we, are, we were all born into sin. Then that makes us the same. So when I listen with Christ in mind, listen with God in mind, that I know that I can talk here and I can look at Pastor Bender and say, he's just as sinful as I am. Not because I said so. That's what so, they all say, too. So you're in good company. the word says so. So if I can start from the standpoint that we're both seeking God, that we're both fallible people, mm -hmm. that we both need God equally. Mm -hmm. Equally. He doesn't need God more than I do. I don't need God more than he does. We need God equally. So as he's speaking and as I'm engaging and rubbing shoulders with him, I think about Christ and what Christ did when he ministered to the people. And the first thing that he did, and I think about this when I have a, I have a kind of a ministry outside of Proverbs, and it's called Her Story, and it's about healing, empowerment, and restoration. And then when I always think about, you know, how do you do ministry, what's right and what's wrong, and I think about the fact that Christ, in my mind, should have said, look, I am your savior. I don't need to feed you. I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to hear you. I don't care about you being hungry. You are dead without me. So sit and listen to the word. Right? That's what I mean. If I'm Jesus, I'm bringing it to you, right? And, but he didn't do that in all of his greatness. He listened to the needs of the people first and foremost when he knew that he was the need. He was the need, but he listened to their fleshly human needs first and took care of that before he began to speak about who he was. And so I look at Christ and go, then I can definitely do that. I can definitely sit and hear you out and put behind me all of my feelings about race and gender and, and income and issues and hear what you might need because I am definitely no better than Christ. So I always kind of listen with my eyes closed to listen to what Christ would have me do and have me feel and, have, and how he would have me respond. If we start there, that's not the end, but if we start there, I think we are so much more open to actually hearing one another and hearing one another's need because our greatest need is God and we are all equally in need of him. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm just going to kind of... I just want to kind of piggyback on what Pastor Sullivan has said. And I, I truly believe that we cannot just be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of his word. And in doing so, we know some of the things that the word says that has been planted within your spirit. And God, he, was, he said we should be all things to all people. So there should not be any barriers. And for me, I, I want to say that I truly can stand and talk to a person and hear with my heart open. And whatever they're saying, I believe that's their truth. That's their truth. And with them being able to speak in their truth, then that's when the Holy Spirit becomes, comes and begins to speak to you to let you know what to say. 
at that point in time. It may be difficult. And as Pastor Sullivan stated, when we're comfortable and in a comfortable zone, everything is easy. It's easy. But when you're taken out of your comfort zone, things may look like they're difficult, but with Christ, we can do all things. Amen? Amen. And so we need to know that no matter what that person may look like, no matter what that person may say at that point in time, I believe God has strategically placed us in people's lives for a specific reason and that reasoning to be able to help them in some type of way. But we have to be on our guard be in the right place with God in order to hear what he is saying to us at that specific time. So I, uh, listening for me, I think now that I've gotten older, listening for me comes easier than uh, perhaps 20 years ago. You know, I always wanted to yip, yap, 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 yap. But now uh, I'm at a point where I can listen, and as I listen to the person, I listen to the Holy Spirit as well. And the Holy Spirit will never, never guide you wrong. And whenever you're in doubt, doubt the doubter. It's the enemy. He's trying to have you to doubt And so you doubt him, but do not, do not quench the spirit. When, when God, when you feel that urge and that eagerness to really say something to someone and you never know what situation they may be in, they may need that word from you to save their life. So whenever you feel that urgency from the Holy Spirit, I encourage you today to step up and step out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to challenge you guys, okay? And, 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 I, and I, don't, I don't not like you, but I don't know you just yet, but I'm going to throw something at you, and hopefully you'll receive it well, because I just, I'm here to help, right? Amen. So, um, so my children went to um, a Christian school out in the suburbs. And I, in Minnetonka, the, the story I'm going to tell you in Minnetonka. And I remember my first parent-teacher conference. So I go to the conference, and I sit down with the biology teacher, and she said to me, your son is so nice. And I looked at her like, okay, like, why, why are you saying that? She said, well, because when he first came in my class, I thought he was a gangbanger. Well, why would you think that? Sorry. <laughs> she said, uh, well, <laughs> what she was really saying to me is he's from Minneapolis. He's six, two, and he's black. And that's all I had to know to think that he was a gangbanger. But after I got to know him, I realized that he's a sweet guy and he loves the Lord. And I thought, well, see, that's the problem, right? We're looking at the outward appearance, right? And we're looking at what we see on television and in the movies. 
And we say everybody must be like that. So your first thought when you see a tall black man is he must be a gangbanger. He must have done something wrong. I must be afraid of him. And don't let a black man get angry because now I'm really shivering, right? I'm really, I'm really in trouble. But the truth of the matter is that some black people really do love the Lord. And they really do have a heart after God. And they really do want to be your friend. Right? Am I right? Maybe you don't know that yet, but I'm telling you, I'm right. <laughs> so my second story I will tell you is that, um, and I'll tell you two real quick. So the second one I'll tell you is that I was in seminary and we took a class on, I don't think it was racial reconciliation, but I think it was how to minister across cultural barriers. And we took a test the first day of class to see how prejudiced we were. And I didn't score too great. <laughs> And then we had three months of seminary classes where we learned all about, you know, a particular race. And, and at the end, we're supposed to be able to say, well, now I know more about this culture. I, I think of them differently. Yeah. At the end of the class, I scored worse than I did when I first got into the class. So I said, I'm really prejudiced. I am really prejudiced. But here's the problem. The problem is, is that I'm old enough to remember the hurt and the pain. I'm old enough to have those experiences where um, my grandmother's from Mississippi, and I'd go stay with her for the summer, and I'd had a little six-year-old white boy say, I don't want that nigger cleaning up my playroom. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I'm from the north. I'm from Philadelphia, so I'm like, what in the world? But it was painful at 14. I'm old enough to say to you that I'd go into a store and not be waited on because of the color of my skin, and I'd watch everybody around me be waited on. I could tell you that the house my mother brought, bought when I was in high school she had to go through a white friend to get it because when she first showed up at the door, the person said, all of a sudden, I'm not selling this house anymore. And so she bought it from the guy, the white guy next door, who was a friend of hers, and he bought the house, and then she bought it from him. But I'm old enough to remember those kinds of things that are really, really painful. So we went through this class, and all those things were being shared, and I thought, yep, it's just you know, pushing buttons, I remember. So my challenge is to not let that stuff get in my way when I want to have a relationship with somebody who's not like me. So my son marries a white girl. Struggle, struggle, struggle. <laughs> struggle. Struggle, 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 struggle. And my kids were like, Mom, you're trying too hard because I just wanted to be her friend so bad. I wanted to be a great mother-in-law. And, and then we went to the first the baby shower, and, and I'm trying to, you know, get in there and tell the jokes and say things, and her family... Well, no, she doesn't like that. And no, you can't do that. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to hurt these people. i got to get out of here. <laughs> Thank God I have four of my own daughters that I can share jokes with. And, I mean, that's my mindset. I'm just being real. You're listening, right? Amen. You're listening. Tough, 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 tough. And then recently, my last story is recently, um, so I have three beautiful grandchildren by them. And one is a girl, and she's got this, curly, 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 curly hair, right? Y'all know that biracial hair that's kind of straight and kind of curly, really curly. And so I go over there to the house one day, and, and my daughter-in-law would not stop talking. What I really felt like saying to her, I mean, she's telling me how the barber didn't cut it right, and the child's only like two at the time. The barber didn't cut it right, and she's so angry, she's like, go back and get her money back, and da, 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 da. And I wanted to say to her, if you would just stop talking a minute, I want to share with you how African-Americans do their hair. I want to share with you that we don't cut our kids' hair when they're two years old. Right. We don't do that. 
I want to share with you that there's some products you can put in your daughter's hair that will help it be combable. Because I know you guys just get up and wash your hair in the morning and just keep rolling, right? Some of you probably don't even comb it. You just <laughs> shake it out, right? And keep going, right? African Americans have to comb our hair from the root all the way out to the end because it's, it's curly. For some of us, it's kinky. Others, it's nappy. But we <laughs> well, that's what we have to do. And I wanted to say to my daughter-in-law, if you would just let me help you. But she was too busy talking. Too busy trying to, yeah, not listening. Too busy trying to tell me, in a way, that she had all the answers, that she was better than her mother-in-law. But I'm old enough to say, you just go ahead and have that. In a minute, you'll come and ask me some questions. <laughs> and so when I finally got to babysit, because she wouldn't let me babysit there for a while, I was just not good enough. My house wasn't clean enough, just not good enough. Uh, when I finally got to babysit for a day, and I, at the end of the day, I told my son, you got to put something on Zamira's hair because that stuff was falling in her face. And I watched her all day long. Just She's trying to play. and She's got curls in her eyes, and she's just trying to play. That's why African Americans, you see our little kids with braids and ponytails and that kind of thing. You know, we know how to get it out of their eyes. But if she would just listen to her mother-in-law, I could help her just a little bit. So listening is really, really important, really important. And like black preachers say, we say, we're, we're almost done, we're almost done, then we keep going, right? <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Let me keep going. <laughs> so one, one, one last story is that my son was in high school. This same son. There's all these stories about the same son. I have six. We have seven together. Um, and they're all adults. But he's in high school. He's in a class. And I'm getting calls that he's in trouble with the teacher. So I go up to talk to the teacher. And I say to her, my, my son's telling me the story. And I say to her, here's what's happening. When you have your back to the class, you're writing on the, the, the blackboard, everybody's laughing at you. All the kids, they don't like you. They're all laughing at you. And when you turn around, you know how kids are. It wasn't me. But when you turn around, the first person your eyes rest on is the one that's different. And it's my son, because he's the only black boy in the class, only African-American in the class. And so he's getting chastised more than any of the other student that is making him angry. When he comes home, he's telling his mother about it because his mother's getting angry. <laughs> so they have to go up to the school. You know what the teacher says to me? I'm sharing it with her, and I say, you know, you just got to do a little better because everybody's laughing at you. My son's not the only one. You just got to, you have to spread the discipline around. And the teacher said to me, well, how come you're not all ethnic? It's a Christian school. I said, ethnic? What, what do you mean by ethnic? I said, you mean like, you do that again to my abuse. I dare you. You do that one more time to my son and see what will happen. Ethnic? I said to the teacher, we're all Christians. And I send my son here so that he can learn about Jesus Christ and him crucified. My son knows that he's black. He can learn how to be black at home. He goes to the black church. I send him to this Christian school so that he can learn about Jesus because that's what's important in our house. I tell my kids, if anything ever happens to me, you make sure you make heaven your home because I want to see you on the other side. Mm. Amen? Mm. Amen? Amen.
I'm going to stand up because I'm not going to be long. <laughs> I think uh, my wife, she said quite a bit. <laughs> and one of the most important things that we should always remember, and that is, is that God is doing the work. You know, sometimes we forget, we, we can get so busy and we, we think that, that it's, it's by our own strength, it's by our own power, it's by our, our own doing, it's by our own intellect that we do these things. And it's not. It's not. It's by the power of God. So because it is the power of God, we should really be bold. And, 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 and not be withdrawn or, in, or intimidated. Because in, in, in the final analysis, we all want to, to serve God. We all want to get to heaven. And, and, and there are so many people who are, who are dying and, and they're going straight to hell. Straight to hell. All because someone would not go up to them and say, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the price that no other person could pay so that you can have eternal life. We all need to be busy for God. And it may be a little, maybe some, it might be a little challenging because someone is different. But I tell you what you can do. You can look at your, your, your four-year-old, your five-year-old, and watch them play with somebody that's different, and they don't have a problem. And the reason they don't have a problem because they haven't had the uh, opportunity to have all this other stuff and embrace this other stuff that causes us to, to draw back from that other person that's different. So, you, you know, the, the first church that I, I belong to here in Minnesota, uh, it, it was... Uh, what do you call it, multicultural, or what would you say? Non-denominational, but, it, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, we, we had, it was more more blacks than than whites, but we had whites, we had Hispanics, we, and, and uh, th there didn't seem to be a, a racial issue, none whatsoever, because we were believers, we were Christians. So if we can get to the place where we see ourselves as believers first, and then we can go and be effective for what the Holy Spirit is telling us at any time and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because God knows.
just want to share a scripture here as we close our time from this passage in Acts that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Uh, Acts chapter 10, as Peter is learning to embrace people who are different from him, people from a different background, a non-Jewish background. He enters into their home. They've called him and invited him to teach them about who Jesus is. And these two verses just really strike me in light of our conversation this morning. Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Peter begins to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And uh, for me, that's the cornerstone of this story in Acts where Peter has to overcome a lot of his own prejudices to embrace some, some people who are different from him. And he knows his, his, the people from his background are going to critique him and be upset with him for doing that. Um, but he entered into it because the Holy Spirit was leading him. And his conclusion is, I, I now see God does not show favoritism, but accepts anybody from any nation or any background who fears God and does what is right. Um, and I think that, that's what Ted's trying to tell us this morning. How do we listen to the Spirit to do what God wants us to do and to see that the Spirit wants to break down these barriers that we've created to, um, to place different values on different people, which God has never done. God does not value people differently. He creates everyone the same with His image. Um, so we thank you guys. We thank you for, at the very last minute, choosing to sit up here on this stage and sharing your thoughts and your lives with us. Really, we, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for, for being willing to do that. Please give them a round of applause.